You are Locked On Tigers, your daily Detroit Tigers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up, everybody? Welcome back to another edition of Locked On Tigers. I'm, of course, your host, Scott Bentley. Today, we'll be continuing our series of ranking the top five players at every position in Tigers history. Is that like the the way we want to describe this? That's what we're doing, so I guess that makes sense. I don't know why I just had so much trouble right then figuring out if that's what I wanted to call this or not. Because that is very obviously, obviously, to all my uh, fans that tell me I say that way too much. That is very obviously what we are doing. So welcome back. Thanks for making Lockdown Tigers your first listen every day, free and available on all platforms. Today, we will be heading into the outfield. Now, the outfield gets a little tricky, so let's clarify some things before we uh, before we take a dive and, and start our list. We do actually have five real, not that the people in third base weren't real, but we do actually have five set people back to... Uh, third base was just weird, man. Third base was just weird. We don't need to get hung up on it. But we're back to uh, a solidified top five. And outfield's a little interesting because there's a lot of people that play both corners of the outfield. Um, for the most part, if you are a center fielder, you're a center fielder, and then the corners kind of historically can be pretty, pretty interchangeable. That being said, that I mean, I mean, we see all the time people in their primes are center fielders, and then when they're, you know, when they start slowing down a little bit, they move to the quarter corners. Uh, I, Tory Hunter is a player in in Tigers history that was a, a incredible plus defender, one of the best defensive center fielders of of my generation. Uh, in his prime with the Twins in the 2000s, and then got a little bit older and. Uh, got moved to the corners, so that that's a thing. There's a lot of different things at play with the outfield. There's a there, there's a, historically, if you, there are very few people in the history of baseball that have truly only ever played one outfield position their entire career. Like I'm talking like zero games at anything else. Uh, and, and even you, I mean, you can raise that number to what I mean if for the, for the most part. Um, outfield, especially the corners, are relatively interchangeable. Now, for we're doing left field today. So how we're going to do this is majority of your career, and we want to do like comfortably majority of your career. We don't want we don't we don't want we, we don't want to leave anybody off. We don't want to be like, oh well, this dude played fifty percent left and fifty percent at right, so he's just not going to be on either list. We're not going to do that. Some of it is subjective which I run the show and I'm the only host. So if you disagree with my subjective take on the true position, quote unquote, of somebody, uh, I'm, I'm sorry, tough luck for you. Uh, you can leave me a nasty DM. I get plenty. It's all right. Um, so some of it's subjective, but I, I did truly uh, on a serious level. I, I, I did when I was making this, this list, I, I did try very hard to uh, to pick the players that I thought were I don't know remembered as left fielders, and when you look at 
the total amount of games they played in left versus right or left versus center or just across all three, whatever, that they played majority of left field. And again, and in, the, in that same breath, I don't want someone to not make any list that deserves to be in there because they had a relatively even split of both. You know, I, I, I want this to, I, I, I want everybody to get their flowers, but I also don't want, you know, like there's some people that played like a hundred games in left field and like, that's, that, that doesn't really count. Or like, I mean, there's, there's a couple players on here that, that played like 400 games in left field, but they played, you know, 900 in right. Okay. Well, I'm going to, I'm going to label you as a right fielder. So I, I hope this all makes sense. Uh, I hope you agree with some of my subjectivity and yeah, we, I guess we can just kind of get right into it then. I just wanted to clarify kind of what I look for in the, you know, is this person a left fielder? Is this person a, a right fielder or whatever? I didn't want to do just a straight outfield one. Cause I feel like that would leave off a lot of really talented players. Um, I guess I could have stretched it to like top 10, but I think then we, the Tigers have a really good history of right field and a pretty respectable one in center too. So I feel like that might've left off a lot of the left fielders then. So I just, I just want to, we're going to do three separate ones for the three separate outfield positions. There's a little bit of subjectivity to it, but for the most part, I think I did a pretty good job. If I do say so myself of making sure that the left fielders are players that most people would agree fall under the umbrella and the category of left field. Okay. So without further ado, let's get started. Coming in at number five, we have Steve Kemp. Steve Kemp will come in as the fifth best left fielder in Detroit Tigers history. Steve Kemp is another player you know, shocking. I, I've said this phrase a billion times. He is another player, in my opinion, that kind of falls through the cracks of Tiger's history just because of the era that he played in. And he was the left fielder for the Tigers in that post-68, pre-84 era, played uh, from 1977 was his rookie year with the Tigers at 22 years old and was gone after the 81 season. So left uh, after his age 26 season. So we got five years out of him. Played all, he he truly was almost everything in left field. He played in his career a little over a thousand games in the outfield, 89 in right field, 925 in left field. So I think that one's pretty safe to say that he is for certain a left fielder in the history books. Uh, Steve Kemp was uh, was a dog. Steve Kemp had some really, really good years for the Detroit Tigers, just in some years that were not great for the team of the Detroit Tigers. But but Steve Kemp could uh, could hit. That was his calling card. He was not a uh, uber phenomenal defender by any stretch. He was not going to go out there and win you a ton of gold gloves or anything like that was a was a minus defender for most of his career uh, but he played corner outfield and you, you have corner outfield for the intention of hitting for the most part outside of a few exceptions historically and, and he certainly did that at a great rate he was a hell of a hitter a 121 career WRC plus but 
for the Tigers specifically, I mean, you're you're talking about a uh, a a guy WRC plus by year with his five years in Detroit, 108 as a 22 year old rookie. Then 121, 149, 131, and 136. He was a hell of a hitter. Uh, 130 career home runs, and almost all of them in Detroit had 18 home runs as a 22-year-old rookie in 77. Then had 15 homers, 26 homers, 21 homers, and then only 9 in 105 games in his last year with the Motor City. Uh just 12.2% walk percentage to a 12.8% K percentage in his career. Phenomenal. A 278 batting average, a 367 on base percentage, and a 431 slugging for an OPS of just a hair under 800 for his career. But again, you look at his OPS with the Tigers, you have 765, 778, then in 79. You have a 941, 318 batting average uh, that was paired with 26 homers. Phenomenal year in 79. Uh, his only all-star season of his entire career was in 1979. Uh, so, you, I mean, he, he was a hitter, and he was the one of the best hitters on this team in an era where the Tigers were not particularly very good. Uh, the 70s were, were outside of Fidrich, were a pretty dry era in the mainstream kind of uh, view of the Detroit Tigers. And he was one of the best hitters of that era. And then he left and handed off. Uh, he left after 81 when all the, all the kids that were drafted in the late 70s started coming up. And obviously the rest is history there with the, uh, with the 80s Tigers being one of the best teams for most of that decade. So Steve Kemp, I mean, the war, 19.3 career war. But again, look at his Tigers career. 1.4 as a rookie, 2.7 in 78, 4-3 in 1979, his all-star season, then 3-7 and 3-5. His, uh, his war for the remainder of his career would be below one, except for one season with the White Sox where he had a two-win season. I mean, he gave us all of his best years, that's for darn sure, and uh, and he was a hell of a hitter. So Steve Kemp comes in as the fifth best left fielder in Tigers history. Deserve, deserves a, a, a lot more flowers than, uh, than maybe a lot of players, honestly, in that 70s team maybe deserve credit for. We will get into the top four left fielders in Tigers history after I tell y'all about Bilt Bar. It's the new year. So that means New Year's resolutions. If yours is getting fit or eating healthier, make sure to include Built Bar in your plan. Built Bar is the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar, maybe even better than a candy bar. Built Bar makes it easy to stick to your resolution. Because it tastes good, you'll want to eat it, unlike other protein bars, which can be chalky, waxy, or taste like chemical spill. You want to eat healthy, but it just gets so boring. By like week three, you're like, this is just not worth it. Where's the chocolate? Well... Built Bars are covered in 100% real chocolate. Most Built Bars contain 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, 4 grams of net carbs, and 17 grams of protein. Compare that to a candy bar, which usually has 240 calories, 30 grams of sugar, and dozens of net carbs. Here's an idea for the new year. Go to all your secret treat stashes, the ones at home, the ones in your pantry, your office, the car, wherever, 
Throw out all the sugary, calorie-filled treats and replace them all with Built Bar. So when you're craving a snack or treat, you can reach for something that's healthy but will still taste incredible. Even if you're not a huge fan of working out, you can at least get something that tastes good and is good for you. That way, when you enjoy delicious Built Bar, you can almost count it as a workout. There's so many flavors to choose from. Coconut almond, peanut butter brownie, raspberry, cookies and cream, salted caramel, mint brownie, so many more. In fact, Built is always coming out with new limited time flavors as well. So check out Built.com often to see what's new. Go to Built.com, use promo code LOCK15 for 15% off of your order. That's promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at Built.com. All right, everybody, we are back here for another segment, our second segment of Locked on Tigers. I'm, of course, your host, Scott Bentley. Thanks for making Locked on Tigers your first listen every day, free and available on all platforms. Heading back into our top five left fielders in Tigers history, coming in at number four, we have Charlie Maxwell. Charlie Maxwell is, uh, again, damn good ball player. Uh, as all of these dudes are, they're top five in their position in a team with a, over a century long history. So all these guys are going to be pretty damn good. Uh, Charlie Maxwell was also kind of in an in-between era of Tigers history. He was, he, he did play again, mostly left field, 840 career games in the outfield, 734 of them in left, only 35 in right. Um, and never logged a game in center field. So Charlie Maxwell played from 56 to 61. Again, kind of after all the players on that mid-40s team that won a ring, once all those dudes started leaving. And honestly, the 35 and 45 team historically are still really similar rosters. Like that was kind of the the come-up started in like the beginning of the mid 30s is that a thing like not the early 30s but like the beginning of the mid so like the like 33 ish is when those players started coming up um and then i mean obviously the 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 late 30s and the 40s and the war and everything that was mixed in there just a a, a very interesting interesting is a stupid word very chaotic time for the country and for baseball um so it's because those 35 and 45 t- rosters were still fairly similar as far as who was on them, uh, those two World Series winning teams, the, um, the players from that era started leaving and retiring pretty shortly after uh, they got the ring in 45. And then by the 50s, you had a, a shell of your former team, of your former championship team. And then Al Kaline comes along and, and leads the charge into this new era, which would be the mid and late 60s. However, Charlie Maxwell, that little bit from 56 to 61, that in-between era as the Tigers were starting to try and build up again and, and the previous championship regime was completely gone for a little bit there, Charlie Maxwell was one of the best players on the Detroit Tigers. A 5.8 war in 1956, followed by a 4.9 war in 57, and then was either a two or a three win player for the remainder of his Tigers career up until his last year in 61. Uh, we only played in 79 games. It was pretty horrible in those 79 games. 
So you have a, a nice five-year stretch here when he was age 29 to 33 where he was one of the best players on the team and one of the best hitters on the team. 28 home runs in 1956, 24 home runs in 57, 31 home runs in 59, and 24 home runs in 60. Would retire with 148 career home runs and almost all of them where we're with the Detroit Tigers, even though he would play from age 23 to 37. I mean, had a nice 14, 15-year career there uh, and only six full seasons with the Tigers. But almost all of his home runs would come in a Tigers uniform. So one of the better hitters on the team, 12.8% walk percentage, 14.4% K percentage, beautiful uh, career OPS of 811, 264 average, 360 on base percentage, 451 slugging percentage, WRC plus of 117, and his first two years in Detroit had a 148 WRC plus. His 1956 season was pretty unreal. Um, was not known for the glove, but wasn't a liability either. Pretty, pretty for by most accounts, a pretty net average uh, defender. But, I mean, this 1956 season, man, 326 average, 414 OBP, and a 534 slugging percentage. 148 WRC+, plus, almost a six-win season, like I said. Um, just, again, another guy that kind of falls through the cracks. And I, I think when I started this list, a lot of people that reached out and were super excited about it and whatever were... Uh, I think most people have this general idea that everybody in this list would be on the would be from the great eras of Tigers baseball, right? Like you, you and and most of them, most of the lists are obviously. But when you're talking about top five, that's a that's a pretty limited group for a team that's been around for over a century, and you're picking out five of the best. And I think it's surprising some people based on the, the, like I said, the people that have reached out to me since I started doing this, how many players um, for these certain positions are not from some of the great and golden years of Tigers history. And while we still have the top heavy ones, like at first base and second base and catcher and et cetera. Um, I, I, I think five is a good number because you have the, okay, like, you know, Alan Trammell is obviously going to be number one at short. Everybody knew that going into it and it was true, but you have the ability to kind of highlight some players that were around on teams that didn't win rings or weren't even good period. I mean, we're, we're going to actually, this is a great transition accidentally. The number three on this list is Bobby Higginson. Bobby Higginson was a... Uh, on the Tigers in one of the worst eras in Tigers history, arguably the worst era in Tigers history. And while he wasn't good in 2003, and he was, you know, two seasons removed from being out of baseball by then, so that, you know, whatever. But while he wasn't good in 03 when the team was horrible, the, the team was horrible from the late 90s through the, the entire early 2000s until literally until 2006. Um, the, and, and Bobby Higginson was the draw. Bobby Higginson was it. And he put together some really nice seasons. A 272 career average, 358 career OBP, 455 
slugging percentage. That's an 813 career OPS for Bobby Higginson. He would not play a single game for any other organization other than the Detroit Tigers. Was a rookie at 24 in 1995 and would retire after the 2005 season in which he only played 10 games in. 187 career homers, but had, I mean, at his peak, 26 homers, 27 homers, 25 homers, and 30 homers. That, that, those are all consecutive. Well, there's one 12 in there in 99, but four of those five years are, are, that's a, that's a, that's a five year stretch that those numbers are coming from. Had a four win season, almost a four and a half win season in 2000, where he had 30 homers, 102 RBIs, 300 average, a 377 OBP, and a 538 slugging. He had a 915 OPS in 2000. Bobby Higginson, a 131 WRC plus, 17.8 career WAR is is not anything that's gonna get you on a Hall of Fame ballot or anything, but it's pretty respectable when you have a three and a half win season, two and a half, two and a half, four and a half. 3.2, a one-win season, a one-win season. Like he, he was, he was it, man. Like the nine, the late nineties were brutal. Ces- after Cecil Fielder left, I mean the the late nineties and early two thousands was a dark, dark time for this franchise. And Bobby Higginson was was literally it. He was he. That's it. It was just Bobby Higginson. And it, when he came up and and had a, a you know his 1996 his first full well second full season at age 25 had a phenomenal year a three and a half win season with 26 homers and a 320 average I mean when you have that at 25 people were were saying that Bobby Higginson was going to be the the focal point and the leader through to get us out of this kind of dark era was going to be the the middle of the lineup bat when the Tigers were going to get and. Uh, re- retired, <laughs> retired a year before we made the World Series. Um, but if, for a really dark era of Tigers history, Bobby Higginson shined, and he gets a lot of crap because uh, he, I mean, he he was bad in 2003. But the whole team was they lost 119 games. The whole team was bad. Um, and uh, he he gets a lot of heat. Because he was supposed to be kind of the wonder boy and, and people don't think that he really lived up to what the expectations were. But just because he didn't end up being, you know, Alex Rodriguez or Barry Bonds, you know what I mean? Just because he didn't end up being a perennial all-star MVP candidate that let us out of the rebuild doesn't mean that Bobby Higginson wasn't a damn good hitter. And that he certainly was. Do not get it twisted. Bobby Higginson knew how to hit a baseball better than most people on the planet. And uh, he will come in as our third best left fielder in Tigers history. We'll get to the top two. Which if you know your Tigers history, you know who the top two are going to be. Because it's pretty comfortable. After I tell you all about BetOnline.ag. BetOnline as you cover this holiday season. More props, odds, and lines than ever before. As football continues to march through college bowl season. And into the, and into the pro football playoffs. BetOnline remains your number one spot for all the sports action this season. Head to the website or use your mobile device. Sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus. 50 on your first deposit just using promo code LOCKEDON to receive your bonus. From basketball, football, NHL, boxing, and UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games. 
Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. But online remains the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports. So don't wait and take advantage of all the new amazing offers. Bet online where the game starts. All right, everybody, welcome back to our third and final segment here at Locked on Tigers. Coming in at number two, the second best left fielder in the history of the Detroit Tigers, we have Willie Horton. Willie Horton is is one of my favorite baseball players, one of my favorite athletes ever. Um, for as much as he did on the field and for as, as, as incredible of a baseball career as he had, he is one of the most influential athletes in Detroit sports history. Um, playing, being a black professional athlete in the 60s in the city of Detroit. If you know your history, you know that the late 60s in Detroit for racial tensions was a was a pretty was a was a pretty wild time. And that's putting it incredibly lightly and I'm not trying to to take away or or minimize what it was, but uh and an unbelievably hectic time to be a a person of color in the city of Detroit and Willie Horton was there there's a story there's one story that always comes to mind with uh with Willie Horton and that is the story of him finishing up a game at Tiger Stadium they had they had just played a baseball game and he is a professional athlete and after the game still in his Tigers uniform he went out to the city of Detroit where crate I mean riots and fights and and everything was breaking out all over the place and in the middle of a four-way intersection he stopped and got on top of a truck and started trying to lower the tension and break stuff up and direct people on where to go and such. That is unbelievable and remarkable. And no one, no one deserves the praise more of that late 60s run that the Tigers had than Willie Horton for a plethora of reasons. And none more important than his off-the-field what what he meant off the field, what he signified off the field, what he signified on the field, and what he accomplished off the field. And he is, in my opinion, again, without a doubt, one of the most, on a pure influential and influence within the city, one of the most influential athletes in the history of this city across any of the four sports unbelievable human being i had the pleasure of meeting him when i was a young man and uh getting his autograph on a tiger's hat it's one of my prized possessions that i take everywhere i go um i and i'm so glad that i i have been able to meet him and shake his hand and and tell him uh, how big uh how big of a fan i i am as someone who uh was born about 20 years after he uh, he retired from baseball. So Willie Horton, an incredible human being, 
and uh, will come in at number two and on the field. Like, don't get it twisted either, man, for, for as as high of praises as everyone should be singing for him for his off-the-field efforts. He was a dog on the field. And uh, none, no better season, comfortably the best year of his career, would be that 1968 season. Couldn't have come at a better time. At 25 years old in 1968, he had 36 home runs, a 285 average, a 352 OBP, a 553 slugging percentage, uh, 543 slugging percentage, and 895 OPS in 1968. He would log a 5.2 war season in 68 when the Tigers would go on to win the World Series. 27.5 career war, damn respectable. Uh, several all-star appearances, obviously the ring in 60. I think he had four all-star appearances. 3-1 war as a 22-year-old, 2 3.5, 5.2, 3.5, 1.7, 2.5. And then after that, a lot of 1-2 win seasons as his career started winding down. He got into the 30s. 325 career home runs. A, uh, a One of the better power hitters of that generation. 1,163 career RBIs. 273 career average, uh, career OPS of 790. He he was the man. He was uh, Willie Horton was absolutely the man, and and was is a tiger through and through. Still part of the organization. Still shows up at Comerica all the time. Still very prevalent uh, within the organization, which is awesome to see. And uh, very few people did it better. Willie Horton comes in as your second best left fielder. In Detroit Tigers history. Coming in at number one. We have Bobby Veach. Bobby Veach is not uh, as mainstream of a name. Because he played in the dead ball era. But Bobby Veach was. again. I feel like a lot of the players from that era. Were kind of overlooked. Just because they were teammates with Ty Cobb. And it was like okay. You're never going to be bigger than Ty Cobb. Because Ty Cobb is one of the immorals of the sport. Um. But Bobby Veach played from 1912 and then left the Tigers after 1923, bounced around to a few different teams in 24 and 25 before calling it quits, but had some phenomenal seasons, phenomenal seasons with the Tigers, 43.7 career war for Bobby Veach, 43.7, that's not quite Hall of Fame, but it's borderline. Right, that's like convert. That's where you start entering the conversation for a Hall of Fame season or a Hall of Fame career, rather. Three ten career batting average, eleven over eleven hundred career RBIs, almost two hundred career stolen bases, a three seventy career on base percentage, and eight twelve career OPS. Uh, like I mean, he's creeping up. Uh, if you look at Baseball Reference, he has almost fifty career WAR. You're talking about. One of the best players from the dead ball era, and I don't think he's talked about nearly enough because he was teammates with Ty Cobb, and Ty Cobb is, is again, as I said earlier, Ty Cobb's Ty Cobb. You're never going to outshine him. But, I mean, 7.6% walk percentage to a 5% K percentage. Different era. People didn't strike out really back then. Fair enough that, you know, everybody kind of had <clears throat> about an even um, and in that regard, but, but, uh, 310 career batting average, a career OPS, like I said, of 812 career WRC plus 
of 124, never had a WRC plus of under 100 in his entire career. 64 career homers, wasn't much of a power hitter. However, was a doubles machine. 393 career doubles, led the league in doubles two times, led the league in hits once, led the league in triples once, led the league in RBIs three times. I mean, you are truly talking about one of the best players from this era of major league baseball, not just Tigers baseball. And uh, because that team never was able to win a ring and he shared an outfield, not only a team, but shared an outfield with Ty Cobb, he's just kind of always forgotten about with that era of Tigers baseball. So Bobby Veach, giving him his flowers that I think are long overdue and well-deserved. Bobby Veach will come in as the best left fielder in Detroit Tigers history. Thank you guys for listening. That'll do it. Tomorrow's show is going to be a, a heck of a show. We're going into center field. Everybody knows who number one is going to be. That's not even going to be a competition. He has like over 100 more war than anybody else has accumulated as a center fielder for the Tigers. However, there are some really good center fielders that have played for the Detroit Tigers. And it's going to be a really fun list to make. It's honorable mentions before I send you guys on your way for left field. Uh, we're going to give an honorable mention to Justin Upton because he deserves it. Wasn't here for very long, but was, was when he was hot, he was hot, man. Rajai Davis for a little bit. Craig Monroe. I mean, the left fielder of the 06 team, Yoenis Cespedes for the hundred games or whatever that he was here, uh, was really nice with it. But the big one that I want to make sure gets his flowers is the Gator. Gates Brown, uh, was Gates Brown is also one of my favorite Tigers of all time, even though he retired 23, 25 years before I was born, uh, but was a Tiger his entire career and bounced around the outfield, you know, played majority of left still much more left than right uh, and, and never played center. But I, I just, I love Gates Brown, man. One of my and like you know he was a he was a pinch hitter for a lot of it too. I mean a majority if if he uh, he played from sixty three to seventy five, but only played in um, one thousand fifty one games. Like that's that's nothing because he was a majority a, a, a pinch hitter. But but my goodness, I love me some Gates Brown man. Eighty four career home runs. Um, could uh had a 420 career slugging percentage i mean was a was a power hitter just never got really the full 162 game experience because there was a dude named willie horton that was also playing corner outfield there and on the other corner you had lk line so really no place for gates brown to start every day um i these are the kind of players that i wish the designated hitter was around before because i'm telling you um and this might just be my bias because i love them but I'm telling you, man, if you had a lineup with Gates Brown, Al Kaline, and Willie Horton where Gates Brown could play every day, the Gator would have flourished, man. That's that's the dog. That's one of my one of my favorite Tigers ever. So I want to make sure he gets his flowers too as an honorable mention. And that'll do it. Like I said, center field tomorrow. Thanks for making Locked On Tigers your first listen every day. Make your second listen, Locked On Bets, your daily one-stop shop for all your gambling needs. Locked on Bets, hosted by your boy Q with expert analysis and insight from Lee Sterling. It's free and available on all 
platforms. Thank you guys for listening. Thanks for rocking with me. I know I can be all over the place at times, but I I really appreciate y'all putting up with me. Peace and love. Going to therapy is dope. And I will catch y'all tomorrow. Go Tigers, baby.